What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Multiverse Movie Podcast. I am your host, Chris T. from this show. Um, this is the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. Hope everyone's having a uh, great Monday as we record this while watching Raw as well. Uh, I'm Chris T. Francesco, Dean and George are with me. Uh, as always, Chris, how are we doing? Chris, hey. you, you will never host the Multiverse Movie Podcast as long as I hold WCW in the palm of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> so you're telling me. oh man that was funny uh, um, oh son uh, of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, tonight that we're reviewing is when it was oh god was it was it Ben Wada got thrown through a table and JR was like Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> it caught me so off guard <laughs> I just started laughing uncontrollably at it like a doofus uh. <laughs> that's my favorite reference ever uh, hey chris you'll be happy to well you're not a niners fan anymore so you i guess you're not excited for the big thunder mountain movie they're gonna make the big yeah i'm excited <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> sure sure yeah i remember now that was, <laughs> that was the best um that's hilarious um all right so tonight we are getting in our way back machine here. We're talking all the way back September 24th, 2000 from the first union center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, unforgiven 2000. Uh, again, guys, it's just a coincidence that the, that the, these last two pay-per-views are in Philadelphia. I didn't plan them that way, but it just happened nice. to be, um, however, it's actually pretty important from money standpoint. We'll get into that. Um, uh, you know, it was here in Philly, the exact same arena, almost two years prior. Um, actually, three years prior, right? About three Dude, years. That, definitely not two. There no, not two. About four. Yeah, yeah. Got yeah, in not, your house. Yeah, my game is ninety six. Ninety six. God, I can't. It's so crazy. Um, yeah. So we got in your house mind games like four years prior to this. Um, you know that that took place at the tail end of that new generation era. Um, but that show, and we kind of talked about it, it did mark a noticeable shift in tone of the, the, the company's on-screen product, um, especially with that main event with, with uh, um, Shawn Michaels and Mankind. Um, and then you have, you know, with that ECW invasion then, they made, you know, several, you know, off-color comments about, uh, and, you know, a brutal, you know, Mankind-Shawn Michaels match. Um, so it was... You know, it was really fitting with, you know, that with that era, like gone, you know, the company's now returning to Philadelphia for their annual September pay-per-view, bringing in basically a new name, a, a fresh, a fresh, um, a fresh new pay-per-view. Um, and my God, like how the company changed within four years Oh, it's yeah. absolutely stunning, and we're going to get into that. <clears throat> this pay-per-view, a September pay-per-view. Now, let me remind everybody. In Your House 10 Mind Games in 1996 in September had 150,000 buys. And we had talked about last week, in last week's show, if you guys go check it out in the archives, um, that we, as a trio here, are stunned looking back at that pay-per-view, that WCW couldn't put half of their brains together to take over the wrestling world um, at this moment. It was just right there for the taking. Fast forward four years now, WCW is having their worst financial year in company history. They're on the way out, basically in a matter of months. Six months. Roughly. Yeah. And this pay-per-view did 605,000 pay-per-view buys. Um, it, it's, it's, I think it was... The, the fifth or sixth, I think it was the fifth highest of the year. Um, 18,000 people sold out the first union center, paying a live gate of $822,000, which was the fifth highest gate of the year. And, you know, Philly just always delivers when it comes to this. Um, and then they made another $172,000 in merchandise, which was the second most of the year. Um, yeah, they're firing all cylinders in 2000. They really are. And, you know, this George is... said that a couple shows ago, we were doing something, um, I think in 99, were we not? And um, Summer, or, uh, SummerSlam 99. 
was yeah. it? And then I think George, you said that 2000 was like the pinnacle or something. Something along the lines. Yeah. I think, I mean, other than, you know, once we got into where we are today, where the company just makes money mm. without turning anything on, yeah. 2000 is arguably the most lucrative year in wrestling history. And, it, you know, it was a WWF. And it, what's even crazier about that, and we'll talk more about this as we go on the show, what's crazy about that is there was no Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. And it's, it's insane the money that this company made. I mean, they had three pay-per-views in 2000 make over a million dollars at the gate. Um, I'm going to look. I have it pulled up right here. So, yes. Uh, so, the Royal Rumble, $1.1 mm-hmm. WrestleMania 2000, 1.4 million, and SummerSlam, 1.1 million dollars. That's wild. Like, um, and here we go. So out of the, I'm sorry, the one, no, two, good, no, three. Good. So out of the twelve pay-per-views, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them were complete sellouts. Like just insane. Hey, hey Chris, um, Yo. let Yo. me let me uh, backtrack real quick. Let me ask you. So, what what was the date? That Unforgiven 2000 happened? What was the, the date? Uh, September 24th. September 24th. All right. So a week prior, WCW held Fall Brawl. Mm-hmm. And what was the attendance of Unforgiven? Uh, 18,100. Okay. So the attendance for Fall Brawl for WCW mm-hmm. uh, was 8,638. So 10,000 less oh my than God. what... Then I mean, obviously, Philly is a bigger wrestling area than Buffalo, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's also the point. <laughs> the main event of this uh, stellar pay-per-view was uh, Booker T and Kevin Nash in a caged heat match. <laughs> was the cage um, on fire? Uh, probably. It sounds uh, like something that came out of my ass. I think this entire I think this entire uh, pay-per-view was on fire. Yeah. Uh, Sting won a triple threat match against the great Muda and Vampiro. So, mm-hmm. you know, peak, uh, peak WCW. It really was. Um, so, like, you, you have in, in this pay-per-view, it's also basically the return of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, you know, in, in, in this in this pay-per-view, you have Stone Cold, you have The Rock. Edge, Christian, the Hardys. Um, it's yeah, Triple H, Kurt Angle, um, uh, Undertaker. I, I think that's. I think it's a testament. They're all one to, and done for the Attitude Era. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's a testament to that era, though, because you could lose a guy like Stone Cold and not miss a beat. You they like, didn't. Yeah, like and, and like at all. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and. I would even say, like, I remember, I remember, like, I remember, like, Austin being gone for a while. And, and you know, I've always loved Austin. He was gone like for that. about 11 months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do remember that, um, like, I didn't miss him because I was a huge Triple H fan. He yeah. or Babyface. I love Triple H. Same, same thing yeah. with The Rock. I love them yeah. both. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. just like back when, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were asking each other. You're supposed to hate one of them, but I can't. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I just didn't miss, I, not that I, I don't, I said it sounds bad, but I just didn't miss. And it's a testament to that error because, like, if you lost Roman right mm-hmm. now for like a year, mm-hmm. I think that would hurt the company. It time. would definitely hurt the because company, they don't yeah. have that guy. I mean, they have really good stars, they have really mm-hmm. good wrestlers and stuff like that. Especially now that a lot of the um, what's the word I'm thinking of the constraints are coming off of a lot of things, so people yeah. can breathe and stuff like that. But like, Roman is a star. He's a mega star. So yeah. like losing him would that be kind of I wouldn't say catastrophic, but it would it would it would hurt a little bit. Or well, like losing Cena when he was really the only actual name in the company, you know, right? Because clearly, clearly CM Punk is the girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was so basically what I I've said this before, and you guys might have been on when I've said this uh, a couple times, and I can't wait to cover WrestleMania 19 because this mm, is how I feel. I can't wait either. From 2000 to like 2007, I want to say, that was the greatest roster in the history of pro wrestling, and it'll never, ever be duplicated. You had so many guys that were like Mount Rushmore-type dudes all in their prime at the same time. Like, just I would going go even down- a little more. I'd go even maybe even 08, maybe even uh, pushing 2010. Make a, so yeah, so a good decade, a good yeah, decade. I would say, yeah, yeah. take like a solid yeah. ten years. It was yeah. just a, a machine. Yeah, because I'll even say like 
2000 to 2000, you know, three stone cold was awesome. Yeah. Uh, he was so good. Um, even when he was hurt and they were trying him out as a heel, he was still funny. He was still great to watch. Uh, and he had some bangers, um, with guys like Kurt Angle and Jericho. Um, and then again, you know, with the rock and even triple mm-hmm. H, but not, you know, nonetheless, I mean, just think of the guys you had that were, I mean, no one ever would have ever thought in O2 you were getting Shawn Michaels better than he was before. And mm-hmm. he was going to, I mean, in 2002, when Shawn Michaels came back, he was the best wrestler in the world, bar none. And he was until 2010. Like, <laughs> it's, so it's like you didn't even know who Sean Stasiak was. <laughs> so, like, that's – it's incredible to look at this pay-per-view and go, dear Lord, the talent mm-hmm. that are on these cards are just amazing. And I love I, – I think – and, Dean, I think I agree with you because you said this to me before. I think 2000 might be my favorite year ever in WWF because I feel like – I mean, this pay-per-view wasn't the best – but th- this was better than a lot of pay-per-views, 99, 98, 97. Um, yeah. I just feel like 2000 was literally running on every cylinder possible. Outside and of like was, WrestleMania. Yeah, and, and it was without Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. I mean, 2001 was, was great, but it bothered me because I think it was hampered by Austin's heel turn a little mm-hmm. bit. And then The Rock kind of went away for a little. Um, but that 2000, 2001, oof, I mean, just so good. 2002 was spectacular. So we're going to have to cover more 2002 because I'll see if I change my mind, but let's, uh, let, let's get into SummerSlam. I'm sorry. Uh, Unforgiven 2000. Um, so sticking, you know, with the Undertaker's, you know, Unforgiven's uh, brand, which is like that spooky, creepy theme. Um, the opening package had like a haunting, <clears> like, <throat> Maddox score with a, a chilling voiceover that at one point told us that Judgment Day was upon us. The WWF I, went I back to this, that uh, like I'd ten like times. This opening, by the way, right? This is a great. It was a great opening. I agree. Yeah, David Sahadi, the man. Um, so all of this show, I think, was to make give us three big selling points. Steve Austin was making his triumphant return to find out who ran that mother effer over with a car. Um, uh, a, a big multi-man match for the WWF title and Triple H taking on Kurt Angle uh, with, you know, a big input here from Stephanie McMahon. Um, so not too bad of a lineup if you're buying a ticket to see this show in 2000, right? So um, pretty amazing stuff. Um, to lead off the show, um, before before we get into it, George, what was your thoughts on, you know, this <laughs> roster and where 2000 stands in the pantheon of maybe your fanhood? Pinnacle. I mean, it's the pinnacle of uh, it's like the, like WWE was at their uh, they were at their peak. They were at their apex. I mean, the, WCW was still around, but it was apparent there was a clear number one in the wrestling industry and it wasn't coming out of Atlanta where the big boys play. No, I'm confused. That's that's two different companies. Oh, excuse <laughs> me. Um, let me tell you this. Shut up. <laughs> um, Listen, I'm being honest, but all right, here we go. Opening... WW is where the big boys play, Dean. I don't know if you do this. <laughs> um, yeah, the other one, the other one's where the little boys play. Yes, the other, um, the other one is where little boys play, like and, and pretend to be big boys. <laughs> um, the opener is an eight-man tag match here. The Dudleys ver- uh, and the Acolytes <laughs> versus the Right to Censor. And, uh, oh, that's right. Right to Censor had four yeah, people. Right so, yeah, eight yeah. people um, that was Steven Richards, Bull Buchanan, The Good Father, and Val Venus. Um, you know, this match wasn't as good as many of the, company, the company's other openers from this time period, but it was short. Um, it was very, the crowd was really into it. Um and uh, the winners were right to censor. So right away, guys, we have a lot of heat starting off this show. Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts, George, on on this match? Dude, right to censor was like they were over. I mean, they they were they mm-hmm. they were booed out of the building, but not like boo, like fuck you, go away, boo. But like they were just hated. But these guys, whenever big pay per views were up, these guys are getting wins. They're getting they wins. Were. 
like I think for a while, like they were just like for a heel group, they were just super successful with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, I mean, it, it worked and it was always some like shady, so some like shady bullshit where, you know, it's, uh, you know, Stephen Richards sneaking in with a Stephen kick or, or what have you, but mm-hmm. shit worked. Yeah. I mean, the match was what it was. It was an eight man tag and, you know, pop for all the big spots. I mean, Stephen Richards going through a table at the end, got some big pops from that Philly crowd. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know, it's, yeah. It, it, uh, it which, did its job. Which came first? Was it right to censor or standards and practice? Standards and practices. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then that, WWF saw that and was like, hey, we can do this better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah basically because <laughs> because, because um, WWF was getting shipped from the Parents Television Council, which is PTC. Right. So right. that's mm-hmm. why they went to... Actually, no. Actually, no. I want to... Maybe late '99, I think, is when the genesis that is when the genesis of that started. Chris, I don't know if you yeah. remember too much of Raw from late '99, mm-hmm. but remember, um, oh, I got like that, like that, that paramedic named BB, and she was basically yes. just a model with huge, <laughs> yes. uh, with yeah, huge yeah. memories. Yes. Like, like she was gonna come out and like take her shirt off, and I think, um, uh, oh, that's cute, yeah. and. Like Steve Richards came out like with a thing like no or no or, or was Terry I think Terry was doing Steve Richards came out with a big sign like no like you can't show this yeah it's uh, but I think you you guys are right with your timeline so yeah I I mean definitely right the censor came after um, yeah this but this like, was Sands and prices didn't work because it was fucking Lenny and Lodi yeah so doesn't work awesome. um this was uh, actually this yeah this was right the censor's second pay per view victory in a row um. So not not too shabby at all. Uh, backstage, Stephanie McMahon was concerned about her husband's ribs after Kurt Angle attacked them with a sledgehammer. Um, but Triple H was more concerned with how badly he was going to hurt Kurt Angle. Steph was fine with that and apologized for thinking that the Olympic gold medalist had her um, had been her friend, prompting the game to reel off a long list of reasons why he wasn't. All of which basically came down to Angle being a dick. Um, so next match we have up here, um, Jerry the King Lawler versus the one of the most overrated wrestlers of all time, Taz. Um, here we go. So after a few minutes of like you know fairly reasonable action, uh, the two went through a fun spot in which uh, Lawler twice hit his patented pile driver uh, on you know his rival, the the wonderful, amazing catches catch can money-drawing superstar Taz to pop right back up. Basically, just more disrespect to a legend. Um, Lawler hit a third pile driver, and Taz once again popped up, only to steal from Ric Flair and do his little flare flop right into the mat. Um, after you know that entertaining bit, Lawler started to drag his opponent to all four corners. As he did, the referee got bumped, dying, uh, creating an opportunity for the ECW legend Raven to make his debut and plant the king with his trademark even flow DDT. Uh, Taz got the cover and gets the one, two, three. Uh, George, your you thoughts? Say, you say ECW legend. I say WWF legend because... <laughs> the great Johnny Polo. There it is. Yeah. The great right. Johnny Polo. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I mean, Scotty Flamengo, even if you will. I mean, at yeah. one point, you know. I, I like Raven, story. actually. I like Raven a lot. Yeah, I, I remember. Too. Great DDT. I, yeah. yeah, I remember popping hard when Raven showed up. I was like, oh, shit, because, you know, it's, it, at the, I mean, well, there, there was internet, but it was essentially pre, pre-internet for the most mm-hmm. part, so you didn't know Raven was going to show up. Yeah, so, absolutely. I, yeah, I was all for it. Um, God, God the even flow was so fucking good. It really was. Um, that was like the best DDT we've seen since Jake. So I mean, it's just spectacular. Um, the only yeah, thing I best the DDT only, since Jake. Jake, Jake, oh, Jake the Snake had a phenomenal DDT and his like the way he would snap. I mean, it's basically the even flow. I mean, it was. Yeah. I mean, it's the same way he would snap the uh, the top off of a beer bottle and guzzle it. <laughs> While he's, we're, uh, we're here while he's doing a, to smoke some crack. We're here doing a show and we're ripping Jake. Yet Ric Jesus. Flair has <laughs> had his life saved, and he's still an alcoholic. Oh, um, uh, hey! To be fair, Ric Flair never did a match in sweatpants and a tank top. And before he hits his finishing move, Ric Flair didn't go like a snake and. <laughs> 
fail to do the DDT. Hey, look, I Rick played Flair the also never did Dang. crack. <laughs> <laughs> At least that we're aware of. That we're aware of. He also never did a promo where he's like, you want to play 21? Well, I got 22. It's like, well, then you lose, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's good. Um, in between each match, here, uh, in between each match, we saw Kevin Kelly hanging around backstage, waiting for the arrival of Stone Cold Steve Austin. When the rattlesnake finally arrived, you can you can hear the eruption and inside the building. Um, Kelly asked how he was feeling. Stone Cold isn't here to answer questions. He said tonight, I'm asking the questions. With that, he beat up Kevin Kelly before he went back to the arena where Michael Cole had taken over for Jerry Lawler. That was, um, just, that was just a straight assault. It really was. <laughs> just <laughs> threw him into the door, then just knocked a bunch of poles over on him. So, so was it the Rock who won? Was it Rock the one who called Kevin Kelly a hermaphrodite? Yes, yes. Hermy. <laughs> so good. Um, World Wrestling Federation Hardcore Championship Open Invitational. WWF Hardcore Champ Steve Blackman versus European Champion Al Snow versus Crash Holly versus Tess with Tristratus versus Funaki and Perry Saturn. Indeed. Um, for those keeping score, this was the third match in a row featuring former ECW stars um, as Perry Saturn oh. and the man. Yeah. Yep. And uh, as Perry Saturn and the man who beat him for the European Championship took part in this 10-minute hardcore free-for-all, um, you know, they followed a, a similar format to the hardcore title match from WrestleMania 2000. The idea was that you had to pin the champion, and then whoever had the gold at the end of the 10 minutes would be crowned champion. Um, at the end of this, there was there was one really loser and that was the fans, but the winner and still <laughs> WWF hardcore champion, Steve Blackman at this point, guys was the bloom off the rose for the hardcore title. Um, sure. Yeah, I guess, but, but the hardcore matches still drew a pop from the crowd. The crowd, was, did. Still, the crowd mm-hmm. was still here for it, especially Blackman as, as hardcore champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like people loved him. Mm-hmm. It was a fun match. Um, and a Plus, Al Snow came out dressed as uh, he, he, was, he was representing Italy and had that framed picture of Tony Danza. He came out with a pizza. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> so good. Like um, every Italian stereotype. He basically, yeah. he basically came out and said, $4, $4 doesn't even buy you $3. Two slices. Two slices, <laughs> two slices and a Coke. <laughs> uh, and a you know what I want to do? <laughs> I want to strut. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I can't. Um, and a hilarious backstage skit. Kurt Angle finished showing off his medals to Tony Gurria after, and some lanky dude with glasses. But uh, um, he turned uh, turned around and met Stone Cold Steve Austin for the very first time, uh, introducing himself. Angle offered Austin an honorary Olympic gold medal, but uh, Austin seemingly wasn't impressed. He promised to insert the medal up Kurt Angle's ass and then beat the crap out of him. Um, did you it's get real- jealous when you, when you saw that the other day, Chris? Ah, oh, yeah, it was you're like I wish that was my colon. I wish, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what it helped you, it went, so Yo, um, man, I would have done anything on Saturday to clear this up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, oh, next match here is a really, I thought a pretty good one. Uh, X Pac versus Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. These two met at the exact same pay per view, Unforgiven 1999, a year earlier. And had also done battle way back at WCW Halloween Havoc 96. Um, This particular match wasn't quite to the standard of their past two encounters, but I thought it was still pretty damn good. Um, And I I thought it it got better as it went along. Chris Jericho got the win. Um, Guys, what what did you think of this match? I thought in the beginning it looked like they were really off. And then after about five minutes, they really um, they really started gelling and it was like real fast pace. God, I mean, sometimes you forget how good some guys are. Jericho's always been great, but God, man, in there with the right guy, X Pac was really good. Um, so what did you guys think? I thought it was a good match as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I I, I didn't love X Pac, you know, mm-hmm. back then. I just thought he was kind of an annoying mm-hmm. persona on TV. Mm-hmm. But you you do go back and watch these matches that he's in. You go, yeah, this guy was actually a pretty good wrestler in the ring. Yeah. Like he 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 knew what he was doing really well, and 
he had some pretty good matches. Um, and I think this was one of them. I mean, Jer- I mean Jericho is, um, you know, every, you know, we, we praise Jericho a lot. Um, but I think when you go back and look at like early Jericho into his prime, you really do forget just how good in the ring Jericho actually was. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's still good. In the, he's not doing all that mud show bullshit and actually wrestled. He's still pretty good, but like he is, he was, he was phenomenal in the ring in his prime. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I agree. How about you, George? Yeah. I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this match. <laughs> this match was 10 times better than the one that they had a year prior. Mm-hmm. At Unforgiven '99, like mm-hmm. that, like that was a a, a fucking three wipe a shit fest. Because like, because like Jericho tried doing that upside down, like Shawn Michaels thing, and then just botched it and fell in the corner. It's like, oh, yep. all right, uh, that's gonna that's gonna follow him in about twenty years. Yeah, but yep. um, but this is but it was it was fast paced. It was exciting. I I never really understood 2000s era X Pac with the nunchucks. I wasn't. I remember like seeing it. I was like, "Oh, this is back when X Pac was using nunchucks for one reason or another." Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's a, it's he's a karate man. Yeah, it, I mean, it was. Like, <laughs> Holy <fucking> yeah! <laughs> but it was exciting, and it's and it's a match like that. If it will, once again, if this match happens today, it's you know, it's a it's a twelve star classic in the Tokyo Dome. Oh, absolutely agree. Especially if it's on at Wednesday nights around eight o'clock. Um, not so, not, not so much anymore. Anyway. Yeah, it's true. Um, but they'll win the quarter hour. Fucking clowns. <laughs> um, <laughs> they'll win the demo for the first 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they'll win that coveted 9 p.m. to 9.15 spot. Oh, God. Um, all right, this will be the last thing we cover before we get to our one and only break. Kurt Angle is seen in the back here interrupting uh, Mick Foley. Uh, Mick Foley was interrupted from preparing for his guest referee role in the upcoming Angle Triple H match um, by Kurt himself. The Olympic gold medalist declared that despite getting beat up by Stone Cold Steve Austin, he was still ready to go tonight because he had problems before the Olympics, too. Um, the day of the Olympics, I had IBS. Yeah, you do BS. You do BS. <laughs> that was such a great back and forth. God, I love Commissioner Foley. Uh, he oh, was, my God. They... For a while, the WWF had the best um, commissioners back-to-back. It was Foley and then Regal. Just perfection. Um, loved them. Um, the exchange went on and, and was, you know, just hilarious. I, I rec- recommend you guys finding this uh, on the pay-per-view. Um, the point of it was that Mick made the upcoming Triple H uh, an angle match and no disqualification so that he would have less work to do, basically. Um, That's back- shocking. Yeah. Uh, backstage, Stone Cold Steve Austin met up with his former arch rival, The Rock. Um, the two shook hands and announced that they were cool with one another, but Austin still wanted to know how The Rock's car had been involved in a hit and run that had taken him out commission almost a year prior, way back in that Survivor Series 1999. Um, the Rock had no idea, but just Joe, oh, um, guy, <laughs> uh, popped up in the locker room. I was, I guess, a WWE official and told Austin he had some news for him, but Austin just beat him up instead, and The Rock smirked, and that ended. But how cool, man, was it that you get this little meet and greet with The Rock and Austin again here? Um, It's just so cool, man, to look back, you know, 22 years ago and be like, God, like, there's The Rock and there's Stone Cold just walking into a locker room segment together and just talking and following a storyline like it's just, it's like you don't understand it in 2000 that you are literally, you know, just a piece of this history that you're seeing literally two of the best of all time. The, you know, arguably the first, the greatest rivalry in the history of pro wrestling, literally just standing there and just having a, a one little segment. Um, like they, their paths just always found a way to meet. And I was always there for it, man. Just the, the chemistry and the connection. Is just you know uncanny, and it was just awesome to see them um, chat it up again. Um, chat so yeah, me up here. chat me up there, pal. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're gonna take our first break. Uh, this is uh, the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. We're covering Unforgiven from way back in two thousand, and uh, we'll be right back in just a few seconds. So uh, stick around. Welcome back, Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. 
I want to thank everybody who tuned in last week to In Your House Mind Games. I wasn't expecting um, the, amount of down- the amount of downloads that we got, but it was it was awesome. I really appreciate it. Um, so thank you guys very much. Uh, I, I know usually this is a time where we really start ramping up in terms of downloads, which is I'm very grateful for that because when summer ends, people are in their house a little bit more and um, – and, and then, you know, commuting a lot more to work. So um, we'll, uh, it should be a pretty good fall coming up. And especially with the, th- the, the topics and the pay-per-views and all that we're covering, I'm excited for that. Um, all right, so let's keep motoring here. Uh, World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Championship cage match. Edge and Christian, which are the incumbent champions, versus the Hardy Boys, Matt and Jeff. I mean, this was absolutely pretty awesome. Um, it wasn't on par with all the other ridiculous matches they've had that you know that will we will remember forever. But, you know, the drama and the excitement for this, you know, came to a head when Matt and Jeff, you know, drilled edge with a concerto at the top of the cage. Um, edge took a sick bump all the way down. Um, and then hard, the Hardys climbed to the outside and this one was done. And we have new tag team champions here in the Hardys, but from start to finish, man, it was crazy because, I went back to what, when I went back to watch this match again, I don't know about you, George, but I kind of just forgot things that happened with this match and like the storyline. I thought when Jeff got out in the beginning, that that was a mistake. That's what I thought too. And I was actually going to ask you about that because when he goes down, like, it looks like he was like scrambling for like, Oh shit, I'm not supposed to do this. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you if you knew if that was, you know, if that was intentional or if that was, um, just like an accidental spot. Like he was just like, Oh, one too many somas and alcohols. And I just <laughs> fell out of the top of the cage. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> might've been 10% of the answer for all we know, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, if it was, they played it off for the rest of the match. Yeah. Very I, well. I, I will say that, like, I remember, like, as soon as the cage match started, I was sitting, I'm like, I wonder if this is the match where I, and I thought it was Matt who fell out of the cage by accident. Mm-hmm. And it was actually against the Dudley boys. So it turns out mm-hmm. I was completely fucking backwards. <laughs> yeah. When I watched it, I was like, oh, wait, it was Jeff and it was against Edge and Christian. As the match is going on, I'm like, ah, yeah. I get it now. I'm an idiot. Yeah. No, no, no. But yeah, yeah. Um, overall, it was just a, a really good match. Matt Hardy got some color in this, um, which wasn't necessarily normal for uh for tag teams, you know, to get color back then, but you know, it was what it was. Um, here we go. Now we're in the back. Stephanie McMahon was thrilled to see Steve Austin back as she revealed she spent the last year holding on to the hat that he was wearing when that bald MFR got run over by a car. Um, returning the hat to Austin, Steph also let him know that Shane McMahon had actual video evidence of the mystery uh, assailant's identity across the way. Steph's uh, husband, the game Triple H, was confronting McFoley to ensure he was going to call the match right down the middle. My, by the way, like 2000 Triple H, mutant, just yeah. like the, the camera couldn't even, you know, get all of his shoulders. He was so massive. All um, natural. Yes, all natural. Um, oh, but man. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, just... Triple H, this was like prime Hunter, and I'm going to get into that match. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that. Um, I bet you are. I am. I, I love Triple H. Um, Good so and, and Kurt, obviously. Um, so uh, a wasted, <clears throat> useless match here. World Wrestling Federation IC title. Intercontinental, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Eddie Guerrero, who's the champ, versus Rikishi. I mean, look, nothing against the guy, but I – if I never saw Rikishi ever, I wouldn't even care. Like, I don't understand. You have push. such hatred against the head shrinkers. It's unbelievable to me. I actually it's funny like the since head you're, since you are Samoan and probably. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, family. you just. He's. You, or you, or, you must or be or one of those self hating Samoans. Or is, or is that over with now? Oh, no, that's that's still one. Yeah, okay. Bullshit. <laughs> but all right. <laughs> I got the tribal <laughs> tattoo ready to roll. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I mean, Eddie Guerrero is the winner via disqualification. Blah blah blah. Who cares? I like how Rikishi did the uh, 
Oh uh, God! What, what was? What did he do off the uh, the rope on China? What was that the rump, called? He called it the rump shaker. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it was essentially the bonsai drop. Bonsai yeah. drop. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was trying to say. He was like, "Screw you, China!" and he walked away. <laughs> yeah, it's great. But that was a hell. But like, I remember <laughs> the story of this more than I remember the match. Yeah. Like, it was a throwaway intercontinental match to kind of get Eddie on the card. But 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 the whole story was more about Eddie and China, about how this around the time that China's Playboy came out. Yep. And uh and then JR was like, Yeah, I see, I got an advanced copy. And then and then and then JR and then uh King is like King is like, Oh, what is she wearing? This is a staple. <laughs> <laughs> the JR is like, Yeah, pretty much. He's like, oh, oh, can man. you imagine that without any clothes on? I was like, I'm glad they I'm glad the king came back out to make those comments about China mm-hmm. walking out. <laughs> you know, everybody know that this their relationship, their own camera relationship was uh WWE basically glad glorifying an abusive relationship yeah basically. <laughs> like, unbelievable Get off your soapbox um, it was entertaining it was. Well, I'm, no i'm just saying <laughs> i made me think today i was just like because then he was like he was like oh china baby i love you will you marry me i was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's and then she's like well, sometimes he yeah, sometimes he yells, but there are times that he makes me smile. I'm watching. I'm almost like this is just bad now. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is, this, yeah. this is like some guy in Riverside named John Mernon. Uh, this is his. This is his. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> to be um, fair, this is anybody in Riverside. True. <laughs> especially, uh, especially if you live above Derby's. Oh god! Um, yeah, they're getting they're getting sold apparently. Oh, they are. Mm-hmm. I thought that was out of business like 15 years ago. Um, I didn't so, know it existed until today. Oh, God. <laughs> um, next up is a banger, man. A no disqualification match. Kurt Angle versus Triple H. Um, special guest referees, Mick Foley. You know, before the bell, Kurt tried to lead the crowd in singing happy birthday to Steph. Naturally, the crowd was having none of it. Um, and then Triple H, you know, at this time, he had, I mean, my favorite theme song of his was my time i just loved it um i mean look motorhead's motorhead but i mean in terms of a a wwf produced intro my time was just spectacular and i i loved it um because that was really the beginning of the game persona uh and i was i was always a, a big fan of that one um this was a great match to me just an underwhelming finish you know, Kurt Angle dominated practically the whole thing. Um, you know, dominating Triple H from a belt from bell to bell and looking like a superstar in the process. I mean, that's a lot of credit goes to Triple H for that as well. Um, then he missed a moonsault a few seconds later. Steph kicked him right in the nuts, helping, you know, after Hunter told her that she has to choose. Hunter hits a super pedigree. Um, <laughs> and it was and it was all over. Um you know, look, I obviously have no problem with Triple H winning here. This match definitely put Kurt over more than it did Triple H because that was the goal of the match. It, it, it so I just the only thing I really want to say about this match is and I texted you guys this Triple H in this era. I mean, realistically, after like 1999 on, he is so flawless in the ring, um, whether he's working heel or babyface. He is, and, you know, we've said this before, and Dean has always said this, he was or is the absolute Webster's Dictionary definition of a ring general. Mm -hmm. Um, He just, he was always right place, right time. You could tell he knew that five steps ahead where he needed to be or where Mm -hmm. Kurt Angle needed to be. Um, And, like, you you could tell, I mean, for those who've been watching wrestling for a long time, you you could watch the match and you could tell... Triple H is the guy calling the spots. He's calling every everything. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I know you guys agree, but just watching this match to me just you know epitomized the greatness of Triple H, even in two thousand. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Listen, I, I have sung the praises of Triple H a million times, and I always will. And he, I think he is in terms of you know of that that you know every, there's always different types of you know. Uh, in-ring performers like i think hogan is the greatest store in-ring storyteller ever you know he could tell a match with uh you know bastion booger's you know turkey leg 
you know, he could work that crowd better than anybody, you know. Brett is yeah. probably the greatest in-ring technician of all time. Sean is just the greatest in performer, mm-hmm. you know, cardio. He's just, you know, nobody could nobody could match his just in-ring ability. But Triple H is pr- that that term in-ring general. I don't think there was anybody better at that role. Yeah, just the way he the way he could look at matches and dissect them and just know what he needed to do. It was just it's second to none. The preparation is just sec- is probably second yeah. to none. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a uh, it's an absolute lost art today mm-hmm. that there's not a sa- oh, I yeah. mean, like there's not a single person. And I don't mean any disrespect to anyone who's who who's currently doing you know, who's Orton is probably close. Uh, Orton is close. Roman does a pretty good job yeah. of it. Um, Danielson. Edge. Is, has has always been kind of like a consummate professional. I mean, problem is he's not working with anybody of fucking value over yeah. there. AJ but Styles, AJ Styles, yeah. but like a lot of your veterans, yeah, they're the ones who can still do it. But but I mean, that's a that's a, a handful of people. That's like ten people out of you know what five hundred active wrestlers today at, at, yeah. at the very least. And it's a it's a shame that it's such a lost art because it's like oh well it should be you know matches should be called on the fly it's like no they should only be called on the fly if you know what the fuck you're doing right like 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 Macho Man has always been you know um, uh, lauded or criticized if you will like like one way or the other about how his matches were just planned out to like the very last mm-hmm. move. But that's why Macho Man could have such good matches because he's got everything. He's like, right, you know, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's it's planned out. Like he doesn't just call the shit on the fly. When you call shit on the fly, that's how people get hurt if they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, granted, when Triple H knocked out Kurt Angle at the like during the match at SummerSlam, mm-hmm. he had to call that on the fly. It's like, all right, you know, because always like all I need to know is if Kurt's coming back out. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So he did. So, so him and Rock basically did what they could in, the, in that match until Kurt came mm-hmm. back out, and then it was just all right. Let's just go to the finish. Mm-hmm. But Triple H is he's probably one of the last wrestlers who's just an out and out ring general who can, mm-hmm. you know, he'll have the match scripted out and planned out, and if one thing goes wrong, he's got ten ways of fixing it. That's the thing, and he's so. I mean, even Austin has said this before, where Triple H—he's like, he's like the Batman of wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> with, with prep time, Triple H is untouchable. <laughs> like there was, there was a lot of times, you know, uh, Stone Cold said this numerous times. He's like, when I would wrestle Triple H, we never had a plan. He, we would call it in the ring, and he was so good that Sean, um, Sean Stone Cold said it was like a night off because I would just go in the ring and be like, hey, this is on you tonight. And Triple H would be like, all right, cool. And he would literally call. They would call it in the ring. And only certain guys <laughs> can do that. There's not many guys that can do it. Um, Hogan was actually notorious for calling it in the ring. Right. You know, especially finishes when he got to change them all the time. But, yeah, um, but no, nothing, showed that, <laughs> nothing showed that more than WrestleMania 18. Yeah, agreed. Because, because Hogan, when, when, they re- when they realized the, what was going on with the crowd, Hogan just took over the match pretty much. Like yeah. you had to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, not saying that the rock didn't have anything in it, but like you knew, you knew Hogan was leading that match a lot. Right. Of course. Um, so here we go. Now we got Shane McMahon coming out to reveal that he, that he didn't really have footage of Austin getting run over at all. What he did have was footage of a 1999 episode of raw in which Steve Blackman ran over Ken Shamrock. According to Shane, that was con- conclusive proof that the lethal weapon, um, was to blame. Um, this brought out Steve Blackman first, and then as soon as Blackman hit the ring, the disturb Austin theme, oh. which I which I love. Um, hey, I'm like, always hated it. As soon as that music hit, you couldn't even hear the theme song anymore. Yeah. with how loud that arena got. Um, like it was ridiculous. Um, you know, you got the feeling obviously right away, and everyone in that building knew that Blackman wasn't the real culprit. Um, he obviously got stunned anyway. And then we got the legendary stunners on Shane McMahon of him spitting out the beer in midair. Oh, what um, a great sell. It really I love was. That. It's, yeah. I love that mm-hmm. all, all the time. I, I and I forgot the stupid look that Shane had on his face right before the first stunner. Mm-hmm. When also staring at me, he just he goes all wide eyed, and the beer is slowly like falling out of his mouth. Yeah, it was it's just disgusting. hilarious. It, it was, <laughs> but it was awesome. I mean, 
God dang, dude, Austin was just – he's one of a kind. And, like, it just showed right here. I mean, you had 18,000 people that were losing their minds um, over the fact that he was in the arena and in that ring. Um, so here we go now. Let's Let's get to the main event. Um, after a great video package promoting the main event, uh, The Rock, who's a WWF champion right here, cuts a great promo, which he promised to shove his opponent's head so far up their asses that they'd have to cut holes in their nipples just to see um, if you can, you know, if you could nasally detect, you know, how that was going to be prepared. Um, this was, as always, awesome. Just an awesome promo um, from The Rock. Um you know, and then it leads us right into the fatal four-way for the WWF championship. The Rock versus Undertaker versus Chris Benoit versus Kane. Which one of these are not like the other? Um, this, oh, God. Um, you know, this this certainly wasn't the worst main event in company history. Uh, uh, duh. But the World Wrestling you know, Federation could and often would do a lot better than this, I thought. You know, The mm. Rock and Chris Benoit were, you know, the two best things in the match by a large margin. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, because The Undertaker was more like the out-of-shaper here. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah he was all, early he was all doughy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He had he had come back early from, I think he had like a hip surgery. So he maybe, Something like maybe, that, yeah. Maybe stop riding the motorcycle of the ring and actually walk down the ring, you fat piece of shit. Oh, wow. wow <laughs> um, he, was he, he, was, he was T-shirt taker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He started um, it, apparently. So, oh, yeah, you're a you're, good point. Um, you know, the Rock and Benoit were both, like I said, the two best parts of this match by a large margin. But even, you know, they couldn't top their effort from their, their match from several months ago, a fully loaded, which was a banger. Um, yeah. Speaking of that match, you know, we got a similar, like, false ending as Benoit leveled Undertaker with a chair and pinned him for the title. But Mick Foley restarted the match, and it was revealed that Undertaker's top foot was on the rope. So, yes, that was the second time in three months that Benoit almost was the uh, WWF champion. Um, we'd have to wait four more years before oh, that actually happened. Oh, probably before. the third time that year that that happened. Yeah. Because back it sold out in January in WCW, Benoit won the WCW title yes. while Sting's foot was on the rope. Oh. And, then, and then even after he won the title, I was like, you know what? I'm leaving. And just left anyway. <laughs> I, uh, I'd like to point out to everybody that in the midst of Kane's psychological trauma and all his burns and stuff like that, he found the time to go tanning. Damn right he did. Excuse you. <laughs> um, it's called, it's a- called, called self healing, Dean. I'd like you to look that up. <laughs> um, eventually, The Rock planted Benoit with a match winning rock bottom at around 16 minutes. Uh, your winner and still WWF champ is The Rock. Uh, the crowd was just, you know, you could clearly tell who the number two guy in the world of wrestling was at this point. And it was the rock. I mean, even one B I would probably say. Um, so like, let's kind of talk about this a little bit. We have, we have some time. Um, yep. I'm going to kind of give credit first and then we can talk about how much of a douchebag Dwayne is. Um, I can't so like, look, I'm going to say this and I said this before, we're going to do a show on this later on. Uh, the Rock in 2000 basically cemented himself as probably maybe the number, I can't say two, uh, maybe the number three babyface in the history of the company, with Austin being one and Hogan being two. Um, because even, even when Austin was a heel, nobody booed him. Like yeah. they just he's it just was like he, when Sting turned heel in WCW and everyone was like, Yeah, we're not here, we're not booing this. Yeah, he's Teflon. <laughs> like it, yeah. it, he was Teflon and the rock, yeah. people booed him, but like he was before the Cena, it was fun to boo the rock because he was so good, he was so funny. Yeah. Um 2000 Rock, if if I I do believe the only reason that this company was able to stay on top so hard and by such a wide margin was because when Austin went down, The Rock literally grabbed that friggin' ball and just took it higher than it ever was before. Um, and I got to give him credit for that. Um, he was amazing. I love watching The Rock. I really mm-hmm. do. Um, I do too. Man, like, I love it. 
Heel yeah. or for babyface, doesn't matter. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I'll watch it all day long. Five hundred dollars mm-hmm. shirt, cyburns, don't care. Love yep. it. He you know, this era, the Rock, love it. He was that. I think he's the biggest diamond that the WWF ever home, was a homegrown. Mm-hmm. You know, Shawn Michaels wasn't homegrown. I mean, yes, he stayed no. with the company for thirty years. Undertaker was not homegrown. Mm-hmm. The Rock was. They went out and signed him uh-huh. in 1996 right off the field of the Canadian Football League. Yeah. And, you know, within two years, he was a WWF champion at like 24 years old or 23 mm-hmm. years old. No, you're um, totally right, Chris. Yeah. The only the only other guy might be, I guess, John Cena is that second homegrown guy. I mean, Brock Lesnar was homegrown, but... Orton, the, too. But, oh, yeah, Orton, obviously. But, you know, those... The Rock, dude, like you talk about a meteoric rise. It was, it's unbelievable. With, I mean, I can't say it's, I can't even say Orton, Cena, or Brock because without The Rock, those yeah. kind of guys might not even come through the pipeline. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, The Rock, man, like there were 99, 2000, and then parts of 2001. Dear God, man, I'm not sure there was anybody better ever. And like, that's why I say, if he would have done five more years of full time, he would be literally untouchable forever. Um, he would have made that company more money than than anyone ever. And it's just and like the, the crop of talent that he would have been able to work with in those you know mid two thousands. Dear Lord, we would have finally probably been able to get you know him and Shawn Michaels at some point. Um, yeah. it, it's just. You know, but we did get to see him with Eddie Guerrero. We did see him with Chris Benoit and just ridiculous, man, to think about how just you, the, the company, you would think when a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin goes out for 10 months, you say to yourself, well, this company might be in a little bit of trouble. No, they got bigger and they got better. And that was two guys. That was the Rock and Triple H. I'm not going to shortchange Triple H at all because – for every David, you need a Goliath. And that was what Triple H was. He became – The Rock became the best babyface ever in that time period. But on the other side of the coin, just like in pro wrestling, Triple H became the greatest heel to ever live. And I believe that. I still to this day think the greatest heel of all time that's not Mr. McMahon is Triple H. Oh. Um, from from a performing standpoint, it has to be Triple H because he wrestled. But from Ooh. an overall heel, Mr. McMahon will never be duplicated. Um, yeah. Without the Mr. McMahon Austin, we're not watching WWF. So it's um, yeah. that that's 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 why I put that there. But in terms of a performer, dude, there was nobody more believable as a heel than Triple H. And the only guy that comes close is heel Randy Orton in his prime. Um, so, <clears throat> but that's it. Um, so The Rock, I love. And and this is a problem I have. And I've said this to you guys, and you guys know. And I've said this here. I can't – it's it's immature and it's stupid. And I get it. My wife thinks I'm a lunatic for this. <laughs> I cannot watch Rock movies because he's The Rock. And I love The Rock. It was hard for me to go see The Condemned because Austin was in it. Because he's still <laughs> cold to me. Although Condemned's yeah. a pretty badass movie. I think yeah, this. I think yeah. Condemned is to this day the best WWF movie ever. Um, oh, the so. old Bart, dude. Come on. <laughs> Did you even watch The Chaperone? Oh, true. The Chaperone see No awesome. Evil? He's piece of shit. No, he didn't watch See No Evil. He's all poopy pants. Scary. You, guys, scary. you guys got to cover that movie. Yeah, um, I disagree. It, 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 it is scary. Kane's acting. Yeah. Um, but Mayor here's – and uh, I'm going to transition now. I – I cannot stand Dwayne Johnson, the actor. I can't. I cannot. I love Dwayne, the human. I think he's a fine-ass human being. Like, I think he's spectacular as uh, as a human being. I mean, that's clear. You know, yeah, I've it's never clear heard. As day. It's clear as day. Yeah, you've yeah, never heard anybody human. say one bad thing about the guy. Um, I give him that. But, dude – you know, I, I understand being a hype man and being your your number one promoter because Kevin Hart's the same way. Kevin Hart does everything on his own. He doesn't have a, a management team. Kevin Hart's management team is Kevin Hart, and he's oh. brilliant at it. Um, 
and he's built a mega he's a the you know he's the most profitable comedian of all time the dude just is ridiculous i'm not a you know i don't i don't watch his comedy shame is not funny i mean we're in the very minority of thinking that by the way the guy sells out stadiums for years like it's insane he sold out the link in like four minutes and that's seventy five thousand people well, I mean, if you listen, I mean, if you listen, I was talking about hot right yesterday. We mentioned how we're comedy snobs. So. Now, <laughs> comedy is like that kind of genre where you either love one or you don't. Like, I know people that love like Christmas Vacation, but hate Caddyshack. It's like the same kind of comedy. I don't know, but what? whatever. Yeah, I know people like that. That doesn't even um, make any sense. I'm, I don't know. Caddyshack's a better movie. <laughs> yeah. Close. I think Christmas Vacation's perfect. Um, I don't even think Christmas Vacation is the best vacation movie. Really? No. Yeah, oh, the first one. First one is hands oh, down the best. One. Yeah. Uh, Wall- oh, Wally World. Yeah. Yeah. That was really freaking good. Yeah. Um, but um, so here's Actually, my problem. The European Vacation is my second favorite. Like when he just shows up at those people's house, he's like, "Fritz Elga, like, who the <laughs> fuck is this?" <laughs> so like, here's my problem with the, with The Rock, and you know, I know Still people. Like are, I know people are really excited. <laughs> for black adam i'm not because one i can't what the reason why i I hate it now is because of that idiot Dwayne is literally promoting like this is gonna change the landscape of comic books listen dummy you're not marvel okay you're 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 literally like would be like below ant-man in in marvel in terms of like anything in the world you're a clown when it comes to this stuff like like so like like (laughs) idiot he's he will (laughs) continue he'll continue to talk about oh this is going to change the landscape of dc that everything is going to hierarchy of power is going to change like what do you mean it's already (laughs) yeah it's like listen dude the hierarchy is already dead you're just going to make it worse you're going to like there's going to be you got the you got the dirt you got the ground level right here you got six feet under is dc and then you got 40 pounds of shit, and that's Dwayne and Black Adam because that's what he's going to do to it. Because, like, I just feel – like, let's go back to Jungle Cruise. He he went on a, a, a rampage, right? He went on a rampage after the first week. This is the the, num- the number one movie ever. And, and, and ter- uh, like, yeah, correct. Like, this is like what did, what number did you one. Say, George? I said pun intended because you say it went on a rampage. It was another shitty rock movie. Oh, yeah. that might be the worst rock movie. <laughs> so, and he goes on this big long uh, um, post, you know, post COVID. This is this is setting records, but yet, like weeks two, three, and four, it set records for like the biggest drop off in like Disney history. And the 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 fucking mutant shows up nowhere on on <laughs> anywhere. And doesn't say anything about well, I mean, yeah, we I mean we had one good week and then <laughs> and then people realize that you know I suck and the movie sucks. And then oh. you go to like what was the next one? The, the next shithole that he did that I talked about. Um uh League of League, League Oh of my god. Pets. And then the League of the Super Pets, you have he's trying to say how like this is gonna be like one of the best like animated films ever. You know, li- listen, you idiot. Eight, it costs like eighty million dollars to make the film, and the movie made like a hundred million, right? And like he is coming out and saying how like that it's a number one movie, people love it, it's such a major success, dude. You are a grade A clown. The minions made like eight hundred million dollars, you moron. Like, what are you touting your animated mm-hmm. film that costs more to make than the minions, dude? That's why I always say. I liked Rock better as an actor when he didn't take himself that seriously. Yeah, like and that's be- that's why his early movies were a lot better because he was just like, "Fuck it, I'm going to be Arnold 2.0." Didn't yeah. take himself seriously. He was rock bottoming people in movies. I was like, "Cool, yeah. I'm cool, I'm down for this." It's and when like, he started to. It's when he started to be re- like, I really delved myself into the role and stuff like that. And then you gave me fucking rampage with jeffrey d morgan with an accent mm-hmm. i didn't understand and uh, you you couldn't at least rub the rock all over your body to grow and fight the giant ape i would have forgiven you at that point like like you know what i mean if they watch like come on like I, I, i'd rather drink bleach and watch Baywatch again you know what and, I mean? like, and like let me let me be clear like i love walking tall i love the rundown 
I even like the game plan. I love and, the game plan. You guys so, know I love that movie. Yeah. So, like, there are things that I like. I'm the only then, person that likes Doom. Yeah, I didn't like Doom. Um, I'm the only person that likes that movie. I think I that was like... I think yeah, you were the only person that went and saw it in theaters. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. <laughs> so you like the media like it that much. So, like, I don't want to spend money on it. <laughs> and like for those of you who, who might not know, like I I guessed I'm a guest on on their their pods sometimes the multiverse movie podcast, and we've talked about it on our other podcast, Big Geek Energy, a few times. Where it's been like two and a half years now that The Rock has been pumping Black Adam up to be probably the next you know greatest comic book movie that's ever been made in the world ever and will ever be made. And then here's the thing. It tested so bad, like from people internally, and they had to do like 60% of the movie had to be reshot because it was such a shit show when they first did it. And then they had to get the rock back on set to do it again. And that sucked ass. So then now the the, the problem with this now is what's going to happen after the first weekend of Black Adam when it does well, it's going to do great because people always like to go see the rock right away and then they realize right away it's like wow that was like a really bad mistake yes like what's gonna happen (laughs) after like two weeks when the movie flatlines what's what's gonna happen what's the rock gonna do then like is he gonna go on instagram and be like well you know we tried our best but it just didn't work out no he's gonna disappear he's gonna disappear after he he makes a a video saying number one movie or the best but then when it shits the bed it's like oh cool when's my next under armor line coming out so it's it's hey, I like his Under Armour stuff. Yeah, way. me too. It's awesome. Um, but look, I, that was my rant. Like I, he he's never anywhere to be found when his name has something negative attached to it. Yeah, and he he's he's very disingenuous when it comes to film, and he he's a hypocrite. Um, and that's just the only thing I, I just can't stand about him. Um, other than that, he's awesome. <clears throat> I think he. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to add this real fast because I watched the San Diego Comic Con stuff about Black Adam. I think he grossly underestimated the power of comic book fans. I agree because when when all he kept getting asked about was is Henry Cavill going to be Superman in Black Adam, and the look he kept like he had he was the, that was the first time I ever saw The Rock like kind of dumbfounded. He didn't know yeah. what to say. No, like because I think he's completely underestimated. Um. I don't want to say rabid, but I would say loyal mm-hmm. DC fans are. And, and it was how, something that he had hungry, no control of. How hungry we are for really good, consistent DC content. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's been it's been like five years of just really just up and down shit. And mm-hmm. Black Adam is just not gonna be the one to I mean it might be a good look. I look, I like I said earlier today. It could be a really good movie. I hope, you know, I hope it is as a comic book fan, as a DC fan. I, I hope it's a good movie. I do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go and because I'm going to go see it um, because what else am I going to do with my time? Um, you know, I hope I go, hey, I actually like The Rock in this. Like I said to you guys earlier, I haven't liked The Rock movie since Hercules. And that was eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and, I, I with you. And, you know what I mean? It's been eight years since I sat back and get, went and said, said it to, about a rock movie. I like that. Mm-hmm. I've hated yeah. everything else. I mean, Jumanji was okay, but that's more of an ensemble film. Mm-hmm. Like he was the star of Hercules, and I thought that was a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Eight years I've been waiting for The Rock to put a good movie out. Yeah, we might be waiting longer. Uh, so I um, probably. Yeah, um, and I hope not. We'll see. But uh, yeah, we're gonna do a rock show later on. Completely high. Great rant, by the way, Chris. Thank Loved you. It. Thanks. Loved it. Um, we're gonna be. Go ahead, George. I was saying, I feel like with The Rock. How he keeps talking about like with with Black Adam, how the hierarchy of the DC power is about to change. To me, that just sounds like, and I I don't mean to any disrespect to the two of you because I know you both are Sixers fans, but that's like those idiots, the fucking Sixers, pre- preaching trust the process for five fucking years and nothing has changed. Like yeah, yeah. like it's just like an empty slogan that he's just saying to try and build hype. It's like, but there's mm-hmm. there's no hype behind it. I mean, I like Black Adam as a character. Dean, I know you're a big Black Adam fan. I'm a whole but, a big fan of the just the Society but, of America. Yeah. That's why I'm kind of like the movie. But it's just more of the it is you know, he always talks about how he delves deep, but it's just gonna be it's just gonna be Luke Hobbs 
wearing a black Adam suit. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I liked Fast Five. That's about it. But it's the point. There was nothing to that character. It was just The Rock. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Dwayne. So Excuse before me. we get out of here, because we're running out of time, like I said, we're going to be doing a rock center focus show coming up down the line. I can't wait for that because I, as the wrestler and the human, like I said, I, I love the rock. Um, and, and, so, and businessman. So is, oh, Zoe's got yeah. some good flavors. Great. Under great. Great, mm-hmm. You know, so it's just that he's, he's just so hit and miss as an actor. And it's been a lot of misses for about a decade. Almost. Um, okay. George, you're, your rating on Unforgiven 2000 out of 10. Out of 10, I'm going to go 7.5. Okay. Dean? I'll say about the same. Seven, mm-hmm. seven and a half. I, I, I think it's a really solid pay-per-view. Yeah, um, I was invested yeah. the entire time. Yeah. I mean, I could have done, you know, I think the eight-man tag match, you know, it was, it was whatever. It's, it's it, it, it was entertaining for what it was. The hardcore, essentially the precursor to the championship scramble. Yeah, basically. Um, I mean, it was it, it was good for what it was, and then the you know the the, the IC title was just kind of a throwaway match. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I give it around a seven seven and a half as well. That's pretty much where I, I, I came in at. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, it was a fun show to watch. I'm looking forward to watching uh, next week's show that we're going to be covering, which is Unforgiven 2002, which took place in Los Angeles, California, at the Staples Center, then Staples Center. Um, that was a 16,000-person uh, sellout. Um, not a lot of pay-per-view buys. 2002 was very much a transitional year um, mm-hmm. for the WWF, and you know we'll talk about it Um next week looking forward to to that as well um the hot the, the hot tag podcast on instagram check out all the stuff that's going on there uh show updates and everything um really appreciate you guys listening uh anywhere you listen to podcast this you can find the hot tag and it will pop up if you have if you're subscribed thank you if uh you haven't written a review or rated the show please do so it's a big help i would really appreciate uh the more people that rate and review the more that we pop up in people's filters for just you know wrestling podcasts. If you don't type in the hot tag, but you type in wrestling podcasts, they're going to show the ones up that are highly rated. So definitely do that to help us out as we keep on motoring through here. Like I said, next week, uh, Unforgiven 2002. Looking forward to it. So uh, I'm Chrissy Francesco. That's Dean and George, uh, and we'll catch you guys down the road. Have a good one. Be safe. Bye bye.